0: everyone, we're the
1: Stephen Queens. I'm Bella. I'm Shannon. And I'm Ashley. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us today. We are reviewing a modern classic, as I like to think of it, The Strangers. So we're really excited to do this episode, and it's a little bit later than it usually is, but we're glad to be back. We all had some, you know... Some colds going on, luckily no COVID going on around here, but you know how it is, better safe than sorry, so we're taking a little R&R time. But before we get started, let's go ahead and do our Spill the Tea segment. So if you are new here, which would be amazing, we're glad you're joining us, what we'd like to do is we talk a little bit about what we're drinking tonight, and then we also talk about what we've been up to for the last couple weeks since we've all been together, So, Bella, what are you drinking tonight, and what's your tea to spill?
0: I am drinking water. Nothing fancy, but definitely needed. Um, Things have been good. I got to see my best friend for the first time in over a year, which has been far too long, but she just moved home to Cleveland, so I got to go up and visit her and see her new house and just spend time with her and her family. So that was really fun. Um, But other than that, everything's been pretty low key. And I'm not mad about that.
2: The pictures of her house looked absolutely beautiful. She did a really good job decorating the house looks really nice.
0: Yeah, she's very into minimalist, mid-century modern, well, not even mid-century modern, just straight modern right now in like different variations of like neutrals so very artsy
1: i'm just glad that you got to see her after so long that's how it was when i got to see my friend julia this summer it was like it had been a year and a half and i was it was just so therapeutic
0: yeah it was much needed and she's been living in new york for the past i don't even know how many years five plus years so finally to have her back home and like within a two-hour drive is
1: very, very nice. For sure. Ashley, how about you? What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? What are you drinking tonight? So tonight
2: I am exuding all of the chaotic energy, and I'm drinking three drinks. I usually do two, but tonight I'm stepping it up a little bit. I'm drinking... One of those, like, the things that you used to drink in middle school, it's, like, the Starbucks (laughs) frappuccinos that come in, like, the little glass bottles. Because we don't get Starbucks or any, like, coffee that's from a, like, a franchise or a chain up here. So no Starbucks, no Dunkin' Donuts, none of that. So I just needed something that was a little bit more familiar. And then I'm drinking my go-to Lemon Lift tea, Out of a Pyrex cup. Because I needed a lot of that today. And a regular mug just wasn't going to cut it. And then I'm drinking water. So. Be that as it may. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about the last two weeks. Because they were an absolute dumpster fire. But I'm going to talk about two things that are coming up. That I'm super excited about. One. One of my best friends is getting married. And her bachelorette parties this weekend. So very excited about that. And what I'm. So incredibly excited about, and I just heard about today. And any other Star Wars fans are going to be really excited. Uh, It was just announced that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, there's a remake being made by PlayStation. It's going to be a PlayStation exclusive, but I don't even care. I'm so excited. For any of you listeners who have heard me talk about Knights of the Old Republic before, it is one of the best video games ever. One of the best RPGs ever. So the fact that they're remaking it, I think, what, 20 years later? Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I will be buying a PlayStation 5 just so I can play this game. That's how excited
0: I am. Is it a PS5 exclusive? It is a PS5
2: console... Hold on, let me look. It's It's a PlayStation exclusive, and it is a... It's a console exclusive on the PlayStation 5 at launch. So. Of course. <laughs> of course. But you know what? I'm also the one who bought an Xbox One S. Like, I bought the new Xbox just so I could play Knights of the Old Republic, like the original versions, because they had them digitally remastered so that we could play them on the Xbox. So, it wouldn't be out of character for me to do that. <laughs> What about you, Shannon? What what are you drinking and how have you been the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, I also am drinking water. Although, Ashley, I really like your idea of drinking the tea out of a Pyrex cup. That's brilliant. I've been drinking a lot of chamomile tea lately with this whipped honey with cinnamon in it that I bought when I was in Myrtle Beach this past summer with my family. I got it at the Savannah Bee Company and it's so good. So that's been good. I wish I had some of that right now. You know, the last couple of weeks have been good, kind of crazy. I've had a lot of life changes happen in the last couple of weeks, but um, I'm really excited for the future and for things that are coming up, which I'm not going to go into yet until things are a little more official. So maybe by next episode, I'll be able to share some of those things. But, you know, just hanging in there with school and things like that. It's been a lot of fun to be back with my students again in person. We are all masked up, which is a good choice. For now. And yeah, we're kind of just keeping going. We're moving. No, wait, what's the phrase? Keeping on, keeping on. Right? (laughs) Anyway, so it's been good. I have no complaints. I really can't complain. I'm very lucky.
2: Living your best life.
1: Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So next, we're going to do the horror, spooky, unique, whatever form of medium I choose, I guess. This week, it's going to be a book called Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. And if you like slashers and just anything, I don't know, in that kind of a realm, I think you'd really enjoy this book, this girl essentially moves to this new town and she's, you know, trying to find her place. And with that comes this whole kind of festival aspect that they kind of worship this. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. This kind of like character or mascot of the town. And one evening they throw a big party in celebration And Pooh hits the fan, not literally, not part of the book, but, you know, everything goes crazy and thus begins the typical slasher-esque storyline. But with that, it has twists and turns, and it's very fun and fast-paced, so if you're a big fan of Friday the 13th or uh, Night... I almost said Nightmare Before Christmas... (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> not Nightmare Before Christmas, um, anything like that where it's just like high-pace, slasher-esque, I highly recommend you read it. It's super fun.
2: I have that on my reading list after you had suggested it, and I literally just the other day saw a TikTok. I'm on Talk, like Scary Book Talk, and I saw a TikTok that recommended it as a really good, like... Not super long, kind of a quick read, but like a good like slasher horror book. So I think it's gonna be the next one I read on my list after I finish the one I'm reading now, because it sounds really good.
1: I'm definitely adding that to my list. I just finished a really good fantasy novel. Oh my god. Thank god it's a series because it's just like addicting, guys. So good. What's it called? A Court of Thorns and Roses. I feel like I've heard of that one before. A lot of my girlfriends have recommended it and I've determined that I'm probably <laughs> I, I probably should look for a man in another realm who is a fairy king because they're they seem to be first of all really hot according to this book. And secondly, I don't know they just seem pretty great. So here I am looking for my fairy king guys. if there any human men, human men aren't cutting
0: it.
2: <laughs> no it makes me think of a uh, david bowie like he was like the goblin king i mean he's kind of like a fairy goblin king um
1: i think you could all... get it i mean i love david bowie but like it's i don't know it gave me like if you're nostalgic for like twilight a little bit but like better than that it's like that <laughs> so that anyway it was a really good book highly recommend also, I just went to go add the Clown in a Cornfield book to my Goodreads list. And I'm sorry, you didn't say that Adam Caesar is a total spooky snack, Bella. Look at his picture on there. Look at I'm sorry. No, he is hot and this man knows it. Yes, he is a. If that wasn't already a plus, Ashley's face right now is cracking me up. She He's looks like mesmerized. super cute. He's like super <laughs> cute. He's like very
2: like. He's he like makes me think of like that stereotypical guy who's into horror with his like little bit of like a baby beard and his like longer curly hair, but it's not too long. It's like just roughly enough. You could like ruffle your hands in it. Like it's the perfect length. Super cute. Ooh
1: la la. Super cute. You know, he is so cute. I'm like, dang, this would have just gotten me to read the book right off the bat. Like, without the plot. I know.
0: And I want to read Video Night next. It seems like another really fun slasher-esque horror book. So, we'll keep you posted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, it's time to get into our review of The Strangers. The Strangers was released in 2008 and was directed by Brian Bertino. It was nominated for a Fangoria Chainsaw Award, four Fright Meter Awards, and two Scream Awards. It has given a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And a little synopsis for those of you who maybe it's been a little while since you've seen it. After returning from an uncomfortable wedding reception, a couple staying in an isolated vacation house receive a knock on the door in the mid-hours of the night. What ensues is a violent invasion by three strangers, their faces hidden behind masks. The couple finds themselves in a violent struggle in which they go beyond what either of them thought they were capable of in order to survive. Dun dun dun.
1: Dun-dun-dun!
2: This movie, I remember, Shannon, I think you watched it in high school? And yeah, I, it really, I did. It,
1: it freaked you out in high school, didn't it? It did, and honestly, like, okay, it freaked me out watching it again. I mean, you know, there are some things about it I'm like, okay. but But really, like, they do a great job with the suspense and the spook and just, like, the jump scares. I mean, I'm not usually a jump scare kind of person, but this movie... It's meant to be that kind of a movie, and they do a great job. I mean, I just felt like it still got me, and it's what? I think it's 13 years since I last watched it. I was watching it in bed, actually, funny enough, in my high school bedroom because I was visiting my parents this past weekend, and it was like I, I just remember watching it again, and I'm like in my bed just like jumping at everything, and I was like, okay, this still gets me. I really like it.
2: It is really good, but I remember the scene where she's in the kitchen and the man, like, walks out and just watches her. Like, that's my favorite type of thing in horror, when you, like, it's the unseen, which I just love. I think the first time I watched it was was either high school or college. What about you, Bella? When was the first time you watched The Strangers?
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know. It's It's been so long. But I remember really liking it, but I also remember being... Super scared purely for the fact that it's again, and we've talked about this, it's one of those things that it's like it could happen and it can happen and it has happened, and that just like home invasion type stuff freaks me out.
2: That's a really good point, and I think that's a good segue into our first topic that we want to touch on is the concept of very loosely based on a true story. I know we've talked about this with. The Warrens, and we talked about this in our crossover episode with the Buzzkillers, about The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, and I, we're going to talk about it again for this film, because I think Shannon put it really well. She was really, really frustrated, because this film is, from the weird, cheesy void. the only part that really bothered me was the cheesy voice at the beginning of the movie was like, this is based on true events and so many homes are broken into every year. Like, it's the stupidest voice that they chose for You're those little... so
1: right. Oh my god. And and 15-year-old me was probably like, this is so terrifying.
2: Right? Because you think it's a true story. Holy cow. Except it's not really based on a true story. In uh, fact, you know, the director Brian Bertino was... Inspired by three different events that he say were the inspiration for this film, that basically this isn't a true story. It's based on three separate things, three separate events that influenced this, but none of this is like a very it's a true story. Like none of it is like this happened and this happened and this happened.
1: But what really bothers me is that as a part of pretending like it's a real story. They even, you know how they give like the little background information, like that you have to read before Mm -hmm. the movie starts? It like even says their names. Like in this time, like in this year, you know, this guy, I, I never can remember names. What are their names, again I think it's James and Kristen. They're like, you know, years ago, James blah 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 and Kristen blah blah blah, whatever their last names are, were vacationing here. And they really acted like they were real people. Like, they really lead you to believe, not just in the based-off-a-true-story statement, but even in just, like, the the synopsis that they give you before the movie starts. And I'm like, oh, like, these were real people, and, you know, so I looked them up to learn more about whatever this true crime was, and then there was no true crime. It's just like finding out with The Conjuring 3 yet again that there was no talisman, there was no this or that, and you're like, dude... Very upsetting. So these are the three,
2: I put this in quotes, events that inspired the film. Number one, when Brian Bertino was a kid, he says that a stranger came to his house at night asking for a woman that was not there. The next morning, it turned out that woman and... Her partners were burglars and they had gone around to every house in his neighborhood and the houses that didn't answer the door had been broken into. That's a kind of spooky. I'll give him that. That's kind of spooky. The second supposed inspiration was the 1981 homicide where a woman, two of her children, and a third child were murdered in their home in the Sierras, and the police investigation Source, turned up no no story. and the murders were, the were Manson never solved. He, he, the director, and the an supposed supposed wanted to to supposed horror movie purely from the point of view of the victims, who had zero idea of why they were being targeted. And it was for this reason that he kept the, the strangers very nondescript, very distant, very... We didn't really get to know a lot about them. They are very... Mysterious, and that kind of made them a little bit scarier. So those are the supposed three... Inspirations? But none of those mirror the story whatsoever.
1: Right, like there is no... Like, that's not even based off a true story. That's literally just, like, inspirations, like you just said, for from crime scenes or from scenarios. I don't know. I just think that was really misleading, and it kind of made it less credible for me. Not that it was – I don't know how to describe it. It just – I mean, I think the film is well done. I think it's really – like. I think it's very scary, like I've said before. But don't say it's based off a true story – when they're literally like like that is a stretch like an absolute stretch
2: and you know they do that just to get more watches or
0: whatever all they had to say was like inspired by real life events and like (laughs) could have been completely fine but i can definitely see all of those three like i mean obviously i don't know his personal life experience with said door knocker but like I can see how those all like kind of came together and I thought it was really interesting and I I'm sure you guys know this um when he goes outside to like fix the light bulb sometimes people will unscrew light bulbs and then come back later to see if the light bulb is still unscrewed and that's kind of an indicator that nobody's home um obviously they went out and screwed the light bulb in so they were home so i think it's kind of like this twist of like we know you're home and therefore we're going to do it as opposed to the typical we know you're not home therefore
1: we're gonna do it yeah that's a good point and like um you make a great point bella like with the wording it could have been not so much of a lie had they worded it a certain way i mean because it is pretty much a blatant lie what they're saying but also with what you were saying actually like they say these things in horror movies a lot to try to get more viewers or try to make people more scared or try to get people more intrigued it's like listen here you don't have to say it's based off a true story because our lives are all scary enough we don't need it to be based off of our true lives we just want to be scared in your movie, and it's okay if it's not based off a true event. We, like I said, we got enough going on here. We we don't need more. My life's already a horror movie. I don't need it to be any more scary. <laughs> but
2: Bella, going <laughs> off Bella, going off of what you said, <laughs> I think a really fun band name would be the Door Knockers. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. No, is it bad that like when you said door knockers, I for some reason thought of boobs like <laughs> I just thought of boobs I don't know why that. <laughs> <laughs> that's too good that's wow. too good anyway so going off of all of that and thinking about you know these creepy people who we don't know much about like you were saying I mean we know next to nothing about their characters they're just there in these creepy ass masks they're entering these people's worlds and there's no reason for it. They literally say, because you were home. They just enjoy this this brutality and this violent crime, which is what some people have said this movie is making commentary about. I'm not sure if I feel like that's a bit of a stretch yet again, because I'm like, I mean, okay, I guess I can see it. But there was a film scholar, Kevin Wetmore, who said that he thought that it was making a point in contemporary culture based on what happened with nine eleven about being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I never would have thought about that. So he said, you know, what with nine eleven, like that was a horrific event, and those people who were victims, you know, at the World Trade Centers were in the wrong place at the wrong time as a part of this this horrible attack. I don't know. It just made me kind of think. Do you think that this movie is making a commentary on being in the wrong place at the wrong time?
0: I definitely say it's a stretch to kind of compare it to 9-11 obviously that's like such a big terrorist attack but i do understand the like watered down concept of like being at the wrong place at the wrong time and it kind of is proven in the sense that you know in the movie they ask well why why did you do this and it was like well you were home because you were home And it's like, had they not been home, they might have not been the family. So I definitely think it is accurate to say that it is one of those things where you're at the wrong place in the wrong time. I don't think it was like a well thought out, like, malicious attack. I think it was merely we saw this opportunity to do a heinous thing and we took it. A hundred percent. And I also think
2: that... It could have gone very, very differently depending upon Kristen's response to James's proposal. You know, I I still find it very odd that they went to that place. Like, if I was James, I would have not wanted to go there. I would have wanted to go anywhere else because of all of the roses and the flowers and the champagne and everything set up because... He assumed that she was going to say yes. I myself would have felt very uncomfortable walking into a place like that and making her feel worse about it and making myself feel worse about it. So I almost wonder if he would have reacted just a little bit differently. Maybe that could have changed, but I definitely agree. I think it's a wrong place, the wrong time. It was, I've always said there are times in life where things happen, where All of these little pieces had to fall on just the right way in order for it to end up the way that it does. And I think this movie is a great point of that, or showing that.
1: Ashley, I'm glad that you brought up the proposal gone wrong, because that just, for some reason, rubbed me the wrong way. Like, first of all, dude, I mean, maybe everybody's a little different. Maybe somebody really does want to be surprised. But, like, you probably should know before you propose if the person is going to say yes, in my opinion. Like, I just felt like he was being so babyish about it. Not babyish. I'm trying to think. Like, he was just being so whiny about it. I mean, I understand. He was immature. Like, I understand that you're upset that she said no, but she still wanted to be with you. She just wasn't ready for that step. And I'm sorry. I know I'm going on a tangent. But you should definitely know if the person is on the same page as you before. And then before you make this huge grand ordeal of it, and he was just going to, like, leave her there the next day and get – Like, I I just felt like the whole thing was so silly. I hated the start of it.
0: I 100% agree. I also, just as a PSA for all our listeners and, you know, us included, please don't ever propose during, before, after somebody else's wedding. That is so disrespectful. It's not romantic. It's not a cute gesture. And like Shannon said, uh this is something that people talk about prior like you don't you don't just act upon this unknowingly whether or not your partner wants to get married to you or is ready for that like and that kind of leads me into these like inconsistencies of like this kind of storyline where the fact that like yes it is a a situation of wrong place at the wrong time but it's also like and I think we see this a lot where in modern times, it makes it harder to present these horror slasher type situations because of modern technologies, including, you know, access to a phone. Okay. Phones, typically, you know, you got a cell phone, you've got a home phone, potentially probably not court, like probably not a cord phone. um, I think there was a lot of things that are just, like, missed in the movie to kind of prevent these from the results that they ended up having. They really tried to make it the wrong place at the wrong time, but there was also just some flops of, like, your phone. You know you have a phone. So, I don't know. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel
2: like that whole proposal situation would have been better if it was just communication communication people and then going off of the whole phone thing i've that like i know that at one point when she went to look at the regular phones the wire was cut so that like disabled the home phones but who maybe her battery was low i don't know but this is why my phone is literally like my phone is right here you guys listening can't see it but it was like literally not even a foot away from me at all times One, because yes, I like my phone a lot, but two, in case of emergencies, this is my first line of defense, calling for help, and my dog, who is pushing my phone off the bed right now, but I feel like there could have, you know, obviously they destroyed her phone, so she couldn't call for help, and they cut the line, so like that kind of like messed that up too, and nowadays, there are really cool ways that you can do that, like I know in Criminal Minds, there's an episode where they have a, a signal blocker that you can, that they would turn on one particular episode. They would turn on the signal blocker and it would disable uh, the phones and stuff like that or the, the signal that it would get because I know a lot of people nowadays don't have home phones or like landlines it's all just cellular phones so like that could have been an interesting way to do it i don't know if they had that technology in 2008 but i definitely think there were a lot of things that they could have done differently i agree bella like example number one if you are this is my ashley horror movie survival tip if you are in a car and there is someone chasing you on foot in front of you run them over Always run them right? over. You can oh you can apologize later. You can say sorry later. Just run them over.
1: If you're attacking me um, and you're terrifying me, literally terrifying me, I'm going to run you over. Like, not sorry about it. Also, I just want to say this before we digress too much. But, Ashley, when you say communication, first of all, it's key. Second of all, it is the most important C word. Another fun fact, I'm pretty
0: sure that if you have an older flip phone and even though it's dead, you can still call 911 off of it as like a means of like an emergency option. Um, I'm I'm nearly positive that's true or that I heard it somewhere. If it's not, that sucks. Maybe don't carry your old flip phone around with you. But if it is, maybe carry your old flip phone around with you. Can't hurt. That's really interesting. I didn't know that they did that. that.
2: That's very interesting. I think another interesting thing that the film actually does a very interesting job of portraying is fight or flight. So for those of you who maybe aren't quite familiar with that, the fight or flight response is an automatic physiological reaction to an event that you perceive as stressful or frightening. The perception of threat or the interpretation of threat activates Parts of your nervous system that triggers an acute stress response that prepares yourself to either fight back or to flee. And these are like evolutionary adaptations to the human race that helped increase our chances of survival in threatening situations. And everybody has a different reaction to different threats or things like that. I know Kristen, for just as an example, in this film, she reacts to threat very differently than I do. So, like in a fight or flight response, her reaction is very much flight, which is okay, 100% acceptable, totally cool. Mine, however, is very fight, which makes zero sense because I'm five foot two and literally could take on no one. But it's just very interesting how different Ashley, people read-
1: <laughs> You might be five two, but you are intimidating as shit. I <laughs> do not want to cross your path. <laughs>
2: Well, I remember the reason I know that my fight or flight response is indeed fight is because a couple years ago it was Christmas night. I had just gotten home and I was laying down for bed and I hear some stuff ruffle around downstairs in my apartment. I had a town home, so it's a two-story, and I heard some things get knocked. I, yeah, oh, I was terrified. I heard some things that knocked over. And my usual, like, I know something is a threat when my dog reacts. If I think I hear something, he doesn't react. I know it's not really there because he reacts to everything. But he, I heard that. I was like, that was kind of weird. And he was up and snarling and growling and scratching at the door. And I'm like, oh my God, there's someone downstairs in my apartment. So I grabbed like a baseball bat. And I grabbed my dog by the collar and I cracked the door open. I just started screaming like all of these threats of violence to whoever this was. I was like, I have a baseball bat. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. My dog's going to rip your effing throat out. You better get out of here now. And then I didn't hear anything. And then Brody and I ran downstairs and like we were ready to take on the world. So I know for me, like I am very much a fight person. And I think James was very much a fight person as well. So it was interesting seeing their two different reactions kind of con- conflicting
1: quite a bit during out the film. That's really interesting. I mean, it's kind of fascinating because I think it depends on my scenario. Um, but, you know, sometimes, like, if I think I hear something, like, and I'm alone, like, my blood will run cold, and I will just, like, get very still. I don't know about you. Have you ever... So I'll, like, literally just, like, pause, and, like, my muscles, everything is tensed up. I am super still. And I think it's because I'm assessing the situation, and I'm, like, listening, and I'm, like, okay, this is probably an evolutionary thing where, you know, like, with what? If you're being hunted, um, and you're in the woods, and you have, like, the deer, they stop, and they're very, very still, because then, you know, maybe they won't see you or hear you. But having been in, you know, like, situations where I'm a teacher and maybe there's a threat in the building that's different um, because I'm in charge. And so, so with that kind of a situation, I literally like, I have to be the one in charge. Like I'm the first one, you know, like first line of defense there. And I mean, I'm physically not going to be able to do much, but like, I mean, in in situations with like a, like a naturally dangerous school situation, like I've, I've definitely gotten fight, Um, you know, grab whatever is nearest to you, kind of to whatever. But, yeah, like, so, again, I think it just depends. But also, in a true, like, scary situation, my body, like, like when I don't think anything's actually, or, like, when I do know that something's actually a problem, like, my body goes numb, and then I react later. So I think that kind of helps me to have the flight, because if I'm thinking about something, then I won't actually be able to, Like doing, I think like my mind would panic too much. So, like, my body just goes numb and my mind goes numb. And then, like, later I process things. But at the time, I'm like, okay, just do what you got to do. And then, but I mean, I I don't know. Like, with this situation, who even knows? Like, until I'm in the situation, I really have no idea how I would react. So, like, with with Kristen and all that, I'm like, I mean, maybe I would be the one to be army crawling through the woods. I don't know. But I do want to say real fast what I find interesting with this whole situation you'd think that Kristen and James would be at an advantage to a certain extent because these people have these very cumbersome masks on they don't have that peripheral vision so how do you have these people being such good hunters and huntresses and like leading like in this pack like mentality I mean yeah they're calculated they've probably done this before whatever but like these people should not be able to execute this plan as well as they do with these masks on. Cause it's not like these masks are, you know, just like burglar masks. Like these masks are like very, I don't know the word. I mean, cumbersome was the best word I could come up with.
0: So I'm glad that you brought up um, your response, which is not fight and it's not flight because there are more options. So there's fight, flight, freeze and collapse. So, with freeze, it's kind of what you're explaining, where it's your body just tenses up. You're not really functioning, but you might have some sort of mobility or like thought process. And then there's collapse, where I end up doing this, where you just kind of, and maybe this is what you're talking about, uh, where you're just completely not able to function, or you kind of go like completely limp and you're just not mentally there or physically there. Um, But I think like that being said, any, any trauma response is a valid trauma response because these are not things that we're supposed to be dealing with. So whether or not you're fighting, you're fighting, you're freezing or you're collapsing. um, And like you guys said, it's dependent on situations. Like I think Shannon made a good point where, when you're in control of, another person or responsible for another, you know, life, your fight mode comes out. But when it's you, it's almost like, yeah, that option of kind of just shutting down is sometimes it might not be the most like reliable or useful at the time, but it's what your body needs when it's overstimulated. Definitely.
2: You guys both make really good points, and I think, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. I think the film did a good job of depicting how there are different trauma responses and how different people are going to react in different ways. Uh, While they didn't necessarily depict all of them, I definitely appreciated how it wasn't just... you, You see in the horror movies how everyone gets all, like, macho and wants to try to fight, and I think it was very realistic the way that Kristen responded and how she reacted to a threat of violence. And I really appreciated that about the film.
1: Definitely. I like that they showed those different, you know, and, and like Bella said, there's no right or wrong response, but it was interesting because, and I'm not saying that James's response was wrong, but like it shows like he had the flight response and he made that two second decision when his friend was walking around the corner and it cost him his friend's life, you know, and it's not James's fault at all. It just was a a circumstantial thing, but you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't mean that his is is wrong or right or hers is wrong or right. But it's, it's interesting what you just said, Ashley, with, you know, most people think that you need to be flight and it's like, well, that's not always the best reaction to have. Not that it's wrong. It's just not always like Mm -hmm. the best.
2: Yeah, I mean, every, every, the whole point of fight or flight, you know, all of them is about survival. And that's what kind of stinks is, like, in the end, neither Kristen nor James's responses were successful. Neither of them helped them get away. And that's what really kind of stinks. But it just is, I don't know, I just, the way that they depicted it, I just thought was really very interesting.
1: Um, Before we move on, I thought it's, I like that you say, Neither was successful because I thought it was interesting watching this movie again, knowing that they don't survive. I almost found it even more disturbing because watching it, I was like, oh, man. You know, the first time you watch it, you think maybe, just maybe, there's some hope that the protagonists are going to win in the end. And watching it through again, you know that they don't, and it just – I don't know. It added a darker feel. I mean, obviously it's a dark movie, but it made it feel darker to me. I'm like, oh, it made it feel even just worse. <laughs> so can I tell you an alternative ending
2: that I think would make the film even better, at least I think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hear me out. Because obviously, you know, like we said, the ending was very scary. It was gut-wrenching. It was all of that. But I feel like it could have been more, like, even more psychologically scary. And this is how I think the movie should have ended. So, the strangers tie James and Kristen down. Now, Kristen, you know, she's crying for mercy like she is. And they, like, scare her by acting like they're going to hurt them. And then they knock them out. Either, like, hit on the head, chloroform something. They get knocked unconscious. Then both Kristen and James wake up much, much later, and they only have, like, a big cut on their face or an ears cut off, like, some sort of, like, scar that is going to be there forever. It's something superficial. It's not going to kill them, but it's a scar that's going to last forever, and whatever they did to knock them out, they can't give the police any real information because they never saw their faces. They never got any information about them, and then they just have to live with the fact that these people did that to them just for fun and to torment them to leave them for the rest of their lives having to deal with that. I think psychologically that would have been so much more creepy.
1: Wow, that really would have, like especially cuz like and I mean that, that really would be like a torturous thing though, unfortunately. I mean, no, it would have been way creepier because these people would never feel safe again. Like almost Exactly. <laughs> almost like Jamie Lynn Spears' character, Lori in the Halloween series, when she literally mm-hmm. creates that house with like the bunker, like honestly, that would be it'd be like you can't blame her. And everybody's like, "Ma, you're crazy," and I'm like, "Shut the fuck. like, no, she's a reason." <laughs> okay, did, did you just
0: say Jamie Lee- Lynn Spears?
1: Oh shit, I meant Jamie Lee- Lynn <laughs> <I think> <laughs> <he> <laughs> did. I'm
2: kidding that in. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure like, she. I'm sure she's been through some stuff
0: too. No, but. she put Brittany through some stuff. Hashtag free Brittany. Yeah,
1: Accurate. hashtag free Brittany. Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. Why am I so bad with names, guys? Like every episode, I have a problem. I need to just write them out on a sticky note and like put them on my computer screen.
2: But it's it's like a running bit now. Like if it, it's not an episode, if Shannon doesn't mess yeah. up at least one name of somebody, it's not it's not a real episode.
1: Right. It's like we either have to have a Spongebob reference, Shannon messing up a name, or like, I don't know, what else do we have always? Or talking about Patrick Wilson, you know?
2: Accurate. Spooky snacks. Spooky snacks.
1: I love that we got that from uh, Macy and Nicole. <laughs> right. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. It totally is.
0: I agree. That would be a significantly more terrifying ending. Because you don't get, like, a definitive answer, and I hate that because it gives me, like, the heebie-jeebies.
2: <laughs> Same. Like, I think of movies where the killer dies at the end, and I'm like, alright, like, yeah, that was scary, but, like, I know he can't ca- come after me. Like, I don't have to worry about, like, checking under my bed. Whereas, yeah. uh, someone who is out there and doing this, kind, like, it's just so... I just think that would have like the ending was very, very great, but I think this would have been so much more psychologically disturbing and creepier. Maybe that's just because my mind's super creepy, but I think that would have been a really cool ending.
0: No, I agree. It was a great ending, but could have been better. So I heard about some inconsistencies in the movie, and so I looked into it and I found a website called moviemistakes.com. And I just wanted to share a few of my, like, favorite issues, I guess, with the movie. So the first one is, James takes off his tie to cover the cut on Kristen's hand, but when they run outside to escape in the car, James is wearing the tie again. Then after the failed escape, they run back inside the house and James's tie is missing. In another scene, Kristen goes into the woods to look for James and falls into a ditch. Then, as she climbs out, the tie is missing from her hand, but in the next scene, it's back in its place.
2: I did not notice that. Okay. Right. There are people... So, first of all, fun fact, this film was shot in chronological order, so there is no excuse for that mistake. <laughs> there are there are literally people on set, and their job is to specifically make sure, scene by scene, things remain the same. So, if... I'm in a movie, and I have blood dripping down my right eye, and then the next day, we do it, and it's dripping down my left. Like, it's their job to make sure there's
0: continuity between the scenes.
2: Y'all guys should be fired.
0: Yeah, I... fired. Fired. How you can mess that up. The next thing is, a few minutes later, after James accidentally shoots his friend, Dennis Reynolds, he reloads the gun and tells Kristen that he is going outside to look around, and he tells her to stay put. He walks outside to the front door, and as he passes the clock on the wall, it reads 5 o'clock a.m. A few minutes later, Kristen walks past the same clock, and it reads 4.30 a.m. If I could turn back time. That was my chair <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, well, I don't. do do it for the gays in the days. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um so after Kristen twists her ankle outside the shed she walks and changes from hobbling on one foot to walking normal so girl can't make up her mind whether she's injured or not another thing the ice cream in the film doesn't melt despite being in a room with a fire and several candles heat what's that Hey, maybe it's Olaf made ice cream,
2: and it's been enchanted to not (laughs) melt.
0: That's exactly it. This is a Disney spin. Uh, We love the collaboration with Disney and
1: horror. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) When that part when he starts eating the ice cream out of the container, I'm like, mmm, I could go for some of that." Like that looks really good. Some ice cream
0: um apparently the ice cream changes from vanilla to strawberry which i mean i'm all again how do you make that mistake
1: how do you make that mistake are these people on the lsd from mandy
0: yes (laughs) apparently so and there's many more um like the fact that Kristen and this might be a lighting thing but let's just pretend it's not The ring box that Kristen holds in one scene is blue and in the next scene that it's on her finger uh, and she holds up the box. The box is black. Could be a lighting thing. Could be pure stupidity.
2: I noticed that, too, when I was rewatching before, like last night before we recorded today, I was like, oh, that looked black earlier. Okay, props,
0: people. You had one job. Like, how do you how do you mess this up? But I highly recommend that everybody goes to moviemistakes.com and checks out the rest of them because they're far too many, which is
1: kind of concerning. Like, like Ashley said, I can't wait to ruin some of my favorite films. you right. Same. Right? Especially if you're,
0: you know, filming in chronological order. How? Why? Who? But yeah, uh, share impersonation, hire me for your birthday parties, weddings, Funerals, I do it all. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, perfect. Hire her, people. Give me money,
2: (laughs) money, please.
0: Money, please.
2: (laughs) If you know where that's from, you get points. (laughs) Can I just say that the only thing I could think of when he was eating that ice cream is people who like The Office. There is the Office Ladies podcast with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley. It's really great. I haven't watched all of it, but they're just funny to listen to. But they talked about in scenes, as actors, in scenes where you have to eat food, you notice a lot of people try to take as small bites as possible because you're going to be re-recording and re-filming that scene multiple times. And oftentimes the food that you have to eat in scenes becomes food that you never want to eat again. So like for angela and jenna they don't like ice cream cake anymore because they had to eat so much of it for a scene in the office so i'm sitting there watching james eat the ice cream i'm like god that would suck to have to eat so much ice cream that you just be sick of it like that pop- i don't oh. think
1: that would happen to me like i know that i'm not person I'm like <laughs> not me what is that Seriously, challenge accepted Yeah, that's how do you say challenge accepted? I think that I would be the person to take that on because I do, in fact, have an ice cream addiction and I'm not afraid to say it.
0: Have you guys seen Matilda?
1: Okay, that's so disturbing. The chocolate cake scene. That poor boy. That always disturbed I, me growing up. I always thought that was, like, really gross and awful, and I hate that scene. It's so
0: gross. Also, I that hate poor that scene. human probably can never eat chocolate cake again.
1: Yeah, well, and, like, Ugh. the whole thing is so disturbing. I feel like people are going to hate me for saying this, but I hate the movie Matilda. It really disturbed me as a child. I, okay, I knew it. Yeah, it's disturbing, and, like, it doesn't leave me with a good feeling. It really just makes me sad. The whole movie, I'm just, like... But Miss Honey. Miss Honey yeah, is Ms. so Honey. cute. And
2: as a kid, I was told that I looked like Matilda because I had that same haircut
1: and brown hair. <laughs> well, Literally. I'm saying Literally. 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 The, like, the I don't know. I just, I really hated <laughs> Trunchbull. Like, I really, really oh, yeah, did. Same. Like, I was legitimately afraid of her and like. She gave me nightmares, so I don't know. I just really wasn't a big fan of that movie growing up. Maybe if I watched it now, I would like it. Like, there's some nostalgia to it for me, but, like, really, it just, like, disturbed the shit out of me, so. Especially that scene. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that scene, I could never watch it. It just, like, that's the first time I knew what it felt like to be disturbed as a child. Or the time in Sunday school when, like, the Sunday school teacher talked about how people used to get their tongues cut out back in biblical times, and then I started crying about it at dinner one night. (laughs) Oh, my parents were so pissed.
0: Mm. But for what it's worth, apparently Danny DeVito was especially protective (sighs) over the woman or girl at the time who played Matilda and like literally took care of her, basically, because her mom was like, um, had cancer and it was like a whole thing. So he basically took her under a wing. So
1: leave. DeVito for president.
0: Beautiful thought of Sir Daniel DeVito.
2: Okay, but I can't think of Danny DeVito <laughs> without thinking of him as the penguin and the Batman oh, that movie. Movie eating That scared me oh, so much. Eating legitimately raw fish. Like, that oh, wasn't okay. just a fake scene. He was eating legitimately raw fish.
0: Okay. Well, when I was younger, I was traumatized by Danny DeVito as the penguin because <laughs> I, like, because he like, bleeds purple. I don't, his, like,
1: uh yeah
0: it was so bad it was so Man, bad we're experience. talking
1: about a lot of trauma this episode <laughs> childhood trauma DeBio, we, we, we do love, love, love sir daniel devito right
2: i was telling um, bella earlier i swear i watch horror movies now and like i now i'm just like that poor person this is just causing them so much trauma like that's my that's like my go-to yeah. like Oh, that poor... I'm like, Ashley, you gotta shut up and just enjoy the movie. Stop sitting there thinking about the poor person, all the trauma they're getting from all of these events. Uh, mm -hmm. (sighs) So that was The Strangers. So now it's time for us to get into our ratings and reviews. So, Bella, how many crowns do you give The Strangers?
0: So I'm gonna give it a relatively low rating of 6 out of 10 Maybe either five or six out of a ten, purely because I feel like they could have done more. And I do, now that I've, like, heard Ashley's proposed ending option, I'm kind of like, yeah, it was probably super traumatizing for the tiny little Jehovah's Witness boys to come in and see all that shit. But, like, also, they could have made it into something else and The inconsistencies, all very entertaining, kind of just, like, irritates me for some reason. So I'm going to say five and a half out of ten. Would watch again, but don't take it seriously. All good points. All
2: good points. Shannon, what about you? How many crowns do you give the strangers?
1: I'm going to say seven out of ten just because I I still find it scary. Personally, I mean... There's a little nostalgia to it for me because, you know, I watched it in high school and I remember watching it in high school and all that good stuff. So I'll give it a 7 out of 10. I do think it could have been better. I mean, everything could be improved, I think, to a certain extent with any movie, but I don't know. I still find it enjoyable. I still find the suspense really good. It still scares me. I mean, if you haven't seen it for a while, it's a good watch. I would definitely recommend everybody watching it at least once. But, yeah, I mean, the inconsistencies are pretty silly. And then also the based off a true story thing, knowing that that's not, because that really disturbed me. Like, that fact disturbed me back in the day. So, I mean, for me, knowing now that that's a big old lie, I will give it a 7 out of 10.
2: All good points as well. Shannon, you stole my number. I was going to give it a 7 out of 10 as well. I I really enjoy the movie. And I know a lot of our listeners really enjoy the movie as well. It's definitely one that has some good jump scares and you know like i was saying at the beginning the scene where she's in the kitchen and she's getting a glass of water and you see the man standing behind her watching her like those types of scenes are my absolute favorite and horror films chilling. and exactly and when they're done well they're very creepy they're very chilling they're very like pit in your stomach type of feeling but you know as bella said there are quite a few movie mistakes that are as someone who's worked in film and television like those types of mistakes are like very rookie moves it's almost like the starbucks cup and game of thrones that's how like really you miss that come on so but overall it's a it's an enjoyable movie definitely give it a watch i think it
0: really overall does fairly well and a quick tip on if you want to like it even more, watch The Strangers Pray at Night and then come back and watch it because it is so much better than Pray at Night.
2: So oh, I've yeah, always I wanted to that. watch Pray at Night. Now it's not good. Oh, I, my,
0: I, I still have not, to watch I it, guess. but yeah. you have to. And like that's kind of what I did is like I was like, uh, eh, I'm not gonna like it. But now, you know, it makes me appreciate the original. Much okay, because
2: they they waited, I think, almost ten years, thirteen years before they made,
0: yeah, the and it sequel? shows. It shows because um, they've it. It was modernized it and like I don't know, angsty teen aspect and that whole shebang. But watch it. There's there's some good points in it. Um, but definitely will make you appreciate the strangers significantly more.
1: I didn't realize it was on Netflix. I might have to mm-hmm. watch that tonight.
0: Same. Awesome.
2: Well, with that, it's time to get into some fun facts. Woo! So, fun fact number one. This is a long one, so stay with me. Several changes were made to the film during post-production, primarily regarding the conclusion of the film. In the original screenplay and in the original footage that was shot the three masked strangers reveal their faces on camera so the audience can see what they look like. And then after the sequence in which James and Kristen are stabbed, the strangers wander around the house, they're cleaning up parts of the crime scene, and then they get dressed into Kristen and James's clothes. Following the test screenings, it was decided by the producers that the strangers' faces should remain unseen to the audience, which required, obviously, cutting all the sequences that included them revealing their faces and cleaning up. So they just moved directly to the stabbing scene. And also in the original script, they had a lot more dialogue between the strangers and Kristen and James. They cut that to make them look a little bit more mysterious and creepy. Also, fun fact 1.2, there's an unrated version of the film. This version is Oh, a little over two minutes longer than the theatrical version, and it includes an additional scene of Kristen. After being stabbed and left for dead, she's crawling on the floor of the house to get to Mike's cell phone, Mike, the best friend who'd been shot in the face, to get his cell phone because it was ringing. Only right before she gets it and picks it up, the man in the mask appears, takes it away from her, and walks out the door with it. Which I think is kind of interesting. Also, why didn't they check Mike for his phone? Because then they could have used that to call for help.
1: But, you know. Such a good point. Oh, my gosh.
2: Whatever. not going to judge them, I guess. (laughs) Fun fact number two. The script was originally titled The Faces. Which is, uh, I think The Strangers is better. And my final fun fact is Kristen. She was portrayed by Liv Tyler. Her father is the Aerosmith lead singer and frontman, Steven Tyler. And (laughs) interestingly enough, before making it big with Aerosmith, Steven Tyler was in another band, which was originally called The Strangers. It all connects.
1: A full circle.
2: (laughs) And those are my fun facts. So thanks for tuning in. Woohoo! Thanks for tuning in to our episode of The Strangers.
1: Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed our review. If you found something interesting with it or want to comment on it, you should go ahead and follow us on social media and let us know. We are the Stephen Queens on Facebook, and Stephen is spelled like Stephen King because we are named after Mr. Stephen King, who we love. Um, So that's with a P-H and not a V. On Instagram, we are at the Stephen Queens, and on Twitter, we are at Stephen underscore Queens. Also, we would love it if you would go ahead and follow us and subscribe to us on the places where you can listen to our podcast. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and Pandora. And while you're there, go ahead and leave us a rating and review. We love to hear from you.
0: Join us in two weeks for, I would say, hands down the most cursed movie in the horror film universe, which is pretty spooky thanks for tuning in this is bella this is shannon and this is ashley stay creepy